When Yosef and Benjamin meet, after many years, the Pasuk says, that Benjamin cried, Yosef cried on Benjamin's shoulders, and Benjamin cried on Yosef's shoulder. Mother says that Yosef was crying on the two Bate Migdash that would be in the portion of Benjamin, and Benjamin was crying on the two Bate on the, on, the, on the Mishkan that was going to be in the portion of Yosef Mishkan Shila. So the first question is, what is the connection between the neck and the uh, Beis HaMikdash? So the Medrash says that just like the neck is in the height of the person, so too the Beis HaMikdash is also in the height of the person. But it doesn't mean the, the, the highest, the, the peak of the person. But like the Gemara says on the Pasuk, Oveng Seif of Shachin, the Beis HaMikdash was by the shoulders, the Beis HaMikdash was 23 Amas lower than Ein Etam, than the uh, well of Etam, meaning to say that it was not the top of the world. On the contrary, on the, contrary the Gemara says that making it a little bit lower is even nicer. So the question is, what is the advantage of it being not in the highest point? If there's no advantage to height at all, then why put it in the height of the world? And if there is an advantage to height, then why is it not at the highest peak and, and, and lowered 23 amma? So to explain this, he first explains the idea of the neck. The neck is a mimutza, a conduit between the head and the body. In other words, the life energy of the person resides in the brain. Then it has to go down to the rest of the body through the, uh, through the esophagus, through the trachea, and through the arteries in the neck, in the throat. So to the intellect that goes down into the heart and into the rest of the body has to go through the, what's called in Hasidus, the Meitzer Agarim, the straits, the constraints of the neck. So the neck has an advantage that it is transferring everything from the head into the rest of the body. And therefore, even though the head by itself is greater, it has more than the neck has. But when you're talking about the function of the head, the neck is greater because the neck is able to uh, uh, transfer the, the, both the life force and the seichel, the intellect, to the rest of the body. So there's an advantage to the neck. And this is also uh, applicable to the Beis HaMikdash. That the Beis HaMikdash was lower than the top of the world because the whole purpose of the Beis HaMikdash is to illuminate the world, every aspect, even the lowest parts of the world. So if it was at the top of the world, it would be too high to be able to illuminate the rest of the world. And therefore, the Beis HaMikdash is lower to drop so that it could be able to have this impact of illuminating the world. And the same thing would apply to a person's individual Beis HaMikdash. Only when the Nefesh Abamis lowers itself, Nefesh Alikis, lowers itself just a bit to be able to get involved and enclosed in the Nefesh Abamis, is, is, it, is it able to impact it and transform it into being a Mishkan, a dwelling place for Hashem. And this is why Yasef and Benjamin cried on each other's shoulders or neck and not on their head. Because the whole purpose of Ayid is to... Uh, uh, bring the Eibishter into this world, uh, and this is done through Avoida of the Yid, and the Avoida of the Yid is expressed in the neck, because the head is removed from the rest of the body, and the neck is what actually uh, is able to be involved in the rest of the body and do the Avoida, and therefore, Yasef and Yaman, uh did not cry on each other's head, but on their neck, number one, the head represents the Neshama, and on Neshama there's nothing to cry, because the Neshama is perfect, number two, the function of the of the yid is not in the head where he's the neshama by itself, but in the neck, the part of the of the of the neshama that's impacting the guf. And therefore, when you when there's something wrong, you cry on the neck because a that's where the problem lies, and b that's where the problem could be fixed. 
Now comes another question. Why did they each cry on each, on, on the, on each the other person's churban, destruction, and not on their own? Seemingly there's an idea in halacha that Adam karavets a lot, a person that's closest to themselves. Even when it comes to Avas Yisrael, you only love the other person, kamaycha, like yourself, but you love yourself more. So they should have been crying for their own Beis HaMikdash, for the destruction of it, and not for the others. Another question that we have now is that when Yosef cried on Yaakov's shoulders, it says in the Zayar that he was crying on the Churban Beis HaMikdash. And the question is, why does Yaakov ya- ya- not cry back? Why is Yaakov not bothered? Now Rashi says that Yaakov was saying Kriyashma. So in the simple understanding of the Pasik, that he, the, the, he was crying because he was overwhelmed by emotion. So understand that Yaakov was, 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 was in such a state of greatness that rather than be affected by the emotion, he was saying Shema. But if the pshat is, if the meaning is that Yosef was crying in the Chorban Mikdash, then why does Yaakov not also cry in the Chorban Mikdash? So these two questions will be answered by understanding the idea of crying. That crying can make the crier feel better, but it does not have the power to fix anything. In other words, when you cry, you feel, you release tension, you release emotion, but, not, but nothing's going to change. So when you see another person's destruction, you can try to help them. You teach them what's to, to do what's right, you doubt them for them. But then, if that didn't help, you, you did everything that you can. The other person's destruction is still uh, uh, in a state of destruction. And therefore, you cry for the other person. But your own churm beis your own destruction, you can't cry. You can't suffice by groaning and sighing. You have to do something. You have to try to fix it. You have to try to rebuild it. And unless, if you're crying out of tshuva, out of repentance, then the tears are part of the, of, of, of the reconstruction. They're part of the of fixing, of building. But if, you, if it's not tears of tshuva, if it's just tears of frustration or, or sadness, then it doesn't help anything. And sometimes it even makes it worse. Because you think, oh, I did something. I cried. At least I, at least I feel bad. Mm-hmm. And this is why Yasef and Binyamin each cried on each other's churban. Because, like we said, when it comes to crying, you can only cry for the other person. You can't cry for yourself because for yourself, you have to fix. Now Yaakov, Yaakov didn't either cry. Why not? Because Yaakov is the father of all of the Yidin, of Yasef and Binyamin. So the Bati Mikdashis and the Mishkan are all in his portion. So again, because it's his Churban, he can't cry. What does he do? He says Shema. What was the idea of saying Shema? The idea of saying Shema was the idea of building the Beis HaMikdash. Meaning to say, the whole idea of the Beis HaMikdash is a place for Karbanas. And Chazal tell us that by saying Shema, it's like bringing a carbon. Because the idea of carbon is giving oneself over to Hashem entirely. From within, Mikam, carbon Hashem, that you, from within yourself, you give over something to Hashem. And that is the idea of Kriyashma. When you say Kriyashma, there's Limser Nafshi, Be'echad. When you say Echad, you're supposed to have a mind to be Meisr Nefesh. When you say Bechol Nafshecha, even if he's taking your life, you still remain connected to Hashem, you still love Hashem. So the whole idea of Shmah is Mesidus Nefesh, which Mesidus Nefesh is the, is the union of a carbon. So when Yaakov is saying Shema, he's basically bringing a carbon to the Abishter, which is the way he is rebuilding or beginning to rebuild and fix the Beis HaMikdash. So Yaakov doesn't cry, but he starts the Avodah of rebuilding and fixing the Beis HaMikdash by saying Shema. Now one might say, what's the point of crying in this case? If they already saw in Ruach HaKadosh, in divine intuition, that the, Beis Amig- that the Mishkan and the Bate Amigdash will be destroyed, then what's the point of, uh, of doing anything? 
And the answer is that Chazal tell us that even if a sharp sword is lying on the person's neck, a person should not stop davening, should not stop asking Hashem for rachamim, for mercy, because even through, even after Hashem made a decree, it is still possible for the decree to be uh, t- torn up through Avaid, and we find this actually with Chizkiah, that Yeshaya gave him a nevuah, a prophecy that he was going to die, and Chizkiah asked Yeshaya to leave the room, and he turned around to the wall, and he davened to Hashem, and his davening helped, and he was given another 15 years of life, of life, physical life on this earth. So therefore we see that it's never too late, even after the Gzardin, after the decree was written up, and therefore, uh, uh, when it comes to the own, your own Beis HaMikdash, you, you should cry, you, you, should, you should fix it, start fixing it. When it comes to the other Beis Amikdash, you should cry about it and help the other person fix their Beis Amikdash. And in conclusion, Chazal tell us that, er, that any doyr, any generation, that the Beis Amikdash was not built in its time. It's as if it was destroyed in that time. Therefore, we have the obligation to rebuild the Beis Amikdash. And how do we do that? By building our own personal Beis Amikdash. When we fix our Beis Amikdash in our own life, then we could rebuild the Beis Amikdash. Then the the Beis Hamidus HaKlali will be rebuilt. And the idea is not to cry about this, but the idea is to actually do something, to bring ourselves to our own personal redemption and to rebuild the Beis Hamidus in our own life. And by doing so, this will hasten and bring down the Geula HaKlalis with and the building of the Beis Hamidus in its place through Moshiach Tzitkenu, the Karev Mamesh.